awesome time here tonight, or on Hallelujah Night, which is this coming Wednesday. And I also want to thank everybody that's brought candy because we have an abundance of candy. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, <clears throat> this morning, this thought hit me because in the past, it was a problem with me. Hallelujah Night was something, or Halloween night was something that I know John and I kind of dreaded for a while. Um, when we lived in North Carolina, there's kind of a long story connected to it. But um, so then is when I came as a children's minister, I still had these questions in the back of my mind because I had been taught for so long that we weren't to celebrate on Halloween. There was so much wickedness going on. So without going into all the things that my mind, what my mind was telling me, I remember kind of relaying some of that to Pastor Dean one day. And I know he doesn't even remember this because I brought it up since then. But after I kind of said, what do you think? And he just very, he looked at me and he said, you know, Kathy, it's another day. And I know that's all he said about it, really. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, yes, isn't it just like the enemy to come in and to want to just wreck a day for us? You know, even though there is wickedness, there's wickedness every day, you know, because the devil is always trying to get people to be wicked. So... I kind of had the flip-flop, and I'm like, we're just, we're going to celebrate. I mean, it's a beautiful day. God's given us that day as another beautiful day to live for him. So we say hallelujah night, and we just want it to be the best night for our kids. We have a lot of things going on. And so if you are kind of waffling on should I take my kids trick-or-treating or bring them Please bring them because, you know, there's a lot more prizes they're going to get if they come here. And probably even more candy, too. So, anyway, um, I still have a lot of these wonderful shirts for my volunteers. If all the volunteers want to wear these, I have a number of them. They're right in the back. So, instead of thinking about dressing up or whatever, you could just wear one of these shirts because this is one of our mottos is living generously. So we're hoping children will bring a canned good that night. And <clears throat> we just want to pass out to the needy. So besides having fun, we want to do our part too to help others. So thank you so much. Amen. And we will release the children. Everybody stand and greet each other and we'll release the children to classes and Give a holy hug or handshake. We out there? Good morning. <laughs> we awake? All right, here we are. Um, so I have a blessed life for us, something to share. Um, ooh, echo. Okay. And uh, so I'll just read it for us here. Uh, so I've been thinking about this time uh, and its purpose in encouraging our perspectives of seeing our life as blessed. Uh, but in saying that week after week, uh, I understand that sometimes it, it doesn't always feel that way. Uh, and today I wanted to just take a moment and, and I guess address that, uh, if only in a small part. Um, so what, 
What do we do when, when calling our lives blessed feels like uh, perhaps a dishonest description? Uh, when time and again it seems that we only get maybe the raw deal. Um, where's our justice? Where's our hope? Where's our silver lining? Maybe we sometimes find ourselves asking, even as we're singing songs about hope and justice and all those good things that God promises. Uh, and I find myself thinking about this uh, as yesterday I just finished uh, reading what may be called that uh, the go-to book of the Bible for these kinds of issues and dilemmas, um, namely that, that dreaded book of Job that we sort of like to skip over sometimes. Uh, and it's funny, I think, uh, sometimes we like to char characterize Job as this, this spotless martyr. Um, he suffers stoically in the face of the devil's attacks, and, uh, but he doesn't curse God, right? Um, but however, as, as I read the book as a whole, uh, I began to realize that the reason Job is shown to us is not because we need a role, a role model in, in bearing pain really well, um, but perhaps the exact opposite. Uh, Job doesn't curse God, sure, um, but that doesn't stop him from accusing God of playing him a bad hand. Um, he essentially spends 20 chapters bemoaning that uh, God must not understand the injustice of his suffering, um, that he needs someone to talk to God for him and explain where things might have gone wrong. He needs an advocate, right? Uh, and now I'm sure we see the error in this way of thinking. Um, God points it out pretty clearly at the end of the book, and he challenges Job, saying um, that if you can understand the world as I do, uh, if you can supply my kind of righteousness and justice as I do, uh, well, then we can sit as equals, and maybe then you can tell me how I've missed the mark. Um, and we've all felt that way to some extent, though, haven't we? Um, where's my blessing, God? Why is this my lot? Why are these finances, maybe, or this relationship, or this situation, or this responsibility my burden to bear? Um, since when is this my cup running over? Since when is... This the life of a son and heir. Um, where's my fatted calf, huh? <laughs> uh, and I think it's notable that while Job and his friends spend a lot of time hashing out what it is that he did to deserve his misfortune and what he needs to do to redeem his situation, God comes and says, in essence, am I not sufficient? When all else fails, when your very body is giving way beneath you, am I not your blessing? Am I not your portion? If you come to me, will you not be in relation with the very God of the universe, of whom the seraphim sing, holy, holy, holy art thou and thou alone, like we sang this morning? Will not your whole being just quake with anticipation at the very thought that I invite you to my throne? Will you not bow down and worship because that is what you were made of? Because we are one in spirit. Will I not visit you and sit at your table and declare my wholeness over you? Will I not heal you? Will I not purify you in every way? Will I not restore unto you twice over what the enemy might take? Will I be enough for you today? I believe he's asking. Will you come, partake of my love now, and just revel in the blessing that I am? Lord, Help us to know that in saying these things, you're not guilting us into relationship. You know pain. You know suffering. You know what it's like to be a, a person on this earth. And I just ask that you would give us perspective today. Show us that in whatever we're going through, whether it's great or whether it's just plain rotten, that you are there and that you bear us up in that no matter what. 
that you are our blessing, and that we have everything we need today, because you are with us. In your name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. You just said that. And the tithe and offering boxes are on the back walls there. We don't pass a plate, but that's where we put our tithes and our offerings. And we do have a special offering that we're mentioning here. Uh, the Sean Knutson family who live near Tin Strike just a ways away, they lost their home to a fire this past Wednesday. And so we're receiving offerings for this family the next two Sundays, be today and next Sunday, at our morning service. And uh, so if you could just place your offerings in one of the envelopes, they're under the seats and also by the boxes, and indicate it there for the fire or for the Knutson family. <clears throat> and then we will be getting that to them. So... Um, and then next Sunday is daylight savings time switched back, I guess you call it. And uh, that's November 4, so just to let you know that. We, we have the different activities at 9.30, as you see. Uh, different classes, we have a coffee bar open, we have things for all ages actually, and some really good classes going on. Wednesdays there's things going on, quilting and Lunch at uh, noon and uh, Bible study at one o'clock. And then this Sunday, hallelujah night. We will be having a prayer meeting again the week after, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. And so uh, we already talked about hallelujah night. And then also just this reminder to prepare yourself for the Tuesday, November 6th vote. Uh, very important. You know, we've mentioned that one of one important issue is uh, finding out where candidates stand concerning protecting the unborn. There's that scripture that we've shared from Proverbs. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and help us and see that they get justice. And really that, I think, can relate to the unborn, or they can't speak for themselves. And I believe that placing a vote for candidates that are pro-life is doing just that. And uh, there's a site, mccl.org slash election, that gives where candidates stand. There's also information on our Welcome Center desk uh, that can help you find out where candidates stand. Go here to the message today. Um, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit as our personal tutor and coach. Uh, God has given us His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, to reveal truth to us and then to help us to apply that truth to our everyday lives. And there's a scripture here that we have from John 14, 16, that says, and this is Jesus speaking, and he was talking to the disciples, but really it applies to us right now. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, 
that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. And the thing is that now he is within us who are believers. He's joined with our spirit. That word another, Jesus said, I'll give you another helper. That means from the Spirit-filled Life Bible, it's, there's a word wealth there talking about that word. and says it's one besides another of the same kind. Not different kind, but the same kind. Another comforter. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but another comforter will be sent. And Jesus' use of this Greek word for sending another comforter equals one besides me and in addition to me, but one just like me. He will do in my absence what I would do if I were physically present with you. Wow, that is something. The Holy Spirit is our one-on-one teacher, mentor, coach, director. You know, most of us can remember teachers, mentors, coaches, directors, parents, or other people who have taught us to understand things and learn information. And then some of these people were also were encouragers, helping us to apply it in our lives, our daily lives. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And here's just a note, just a reality note. The truth is, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ Jesus, who dwells within us. And we see, let's just look at Romans 8, and looking at verse 8. It says, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have, now here, the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. The Spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. But let's just stop, just stop and think a moment about past or current teachers or tutors or people in your life, um, think of people in your life who have taught you or tutored you, encouraged you, or helped you in some way. Can you think of somebody? Well, last Sunday I shared about my first grade teacher, Mrs. Anderson, from Davis, South Dakota, when I was in the first grade. But I'm remembering another grade school teacher that I had. And we can put up that first picture, Anthony. This is my fourth grade class uh, with my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Martha Kruen. 
Do you see anybody up there that looks like me? Can you see where I'm standing there? That's a long time ago. That's uh, 58 years ago, 1960. But I'm standing right next to the teacher. And let's put the next one up there, Anthony. Yeah, there I am. Mrs. Kruin. Joyce just happened. To, the, the, Joyce has done phone, photo journaling through the years, and and uh, she hasn't been adding on a lot of pictures lately. But through the years, when our kids were growing up and such, she did photo journaling, and she usually has one of the notebooks out. And it just so happened this picture. I didn't even think about it until just a day before yesterday, I think it was. I wonder if there's a picture of that. And sure enough, right there it was. And uh, so anyway, this was when I was in the fourth grade. And I was, well, Mrs. Kuhn spent a lot of extra time with me, teaching, teaching me, tutoring me, coaching me on how to speak and enunciate so people could understand what I was saying. I was to do a reading in our elementary Christmas presentation. That's why she spent that time with me. Um, I was called upon to read the account of the first Christmas from the book of Luke in the Bible. And uh, this would be in a gymnasium packed with hundreds of people. And I didn't think I could do it, and I didn't want to do it. And uh, by the way, this gym, this was the gymnasium. This was the gymnasium, which was the home court of the Minnesota State High School basketball champion Edgerton Flying Dutchman in 1960, who, uh, when all the schools, all the schools, were in one bracket, then, you know, whether it's the large schools like Minneapolis or Bloomington, you know, and such. But here this little Edgerton High School won the whole championship of the basketball for that year. And uh, so that was 1960. But getting back to my story, Mrs. Kruen, she spent many hours working with me. I stayed after school several days standing by her desk, reading out loud. In fact, I can still see myself there. It's something how some of these things imprint on your mind. And as I started thinking about this stuff, again, meditating on a little bit, remembering, I was remembering what had happened there. I could still see myself standing there and and her desk actually was like this is right now. She was, her back was to the north. I would stand over here on the east side facing west. And she would sit there and she would listen to me read out of Luke chapter 2. And uh, she would hear me read and she'd say, Louder, Stephen. More slowly, Stephen. Enunciate, Stephen. I learned that year what the word enunciate means. 
very clearly because she showed me how to enunciate so people could understand what I'm saying. And um, she taught me the words. It was King James Version, so there were some big words like Quirinius. Can I still say that? Quirinius was governor. And then she taught me how to pronounce them. She taught me how to enunciate them, to speak them clearly so that people would understand what I was reading. We want the people to be able to hear you and understand you, Stephen. I can hear her saying. And I would say, I don't think I can do this, Mrs. Crewen. I don't think I can do this. The truth was I didn't want to do it either. But uh, Mrs. Crewen was a strong encourager. Very strong encourager. You can do this, Stephen. You can do this. But there will be so many people there, Mrs. Crewen. You can do this, Stephen. I know you can do this, said Mrs. Crewen. She believed in me. So it came the night of the, the presentation, the Christmas program, where all the grade school children were to be putting on this program for their parents and the community. The gym was packed with people, and we lined up along the hallway. Front. We, we met first in our classrooms, and then there was a long hallway that went all the way over to that gymnasium, and, and all the classes in, in order of when they were going to be going on stage, they were all lined up. And uh, I was waiting there. I was in my normal clothes, but uh, my classmates were either sheep or shepherds or wise men or all these different things. Joseph and Mary were there. We had all the different ones in line. And I still was thinking, I can't do this and I don't want to do this, but Mrs. Cruen says, I can do this. And I'm going to do this. <laughs> you have any, anybody here have memories of things like this besides me? Um, but the time came, and I actually did it. I read it, um, and it went went well. I mean, it worked. But it was by the encouragement of this teacher. Well, the Holy Spirit also called me some years later to pastor, to be a pastor. And I had some of the same thoughts. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. But the Holy Spirit was right there as my encourager in a whole different level than Mrs. Cruen was. But uh, it was there, and he worked in my heart. I said, Lord, I, don't, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. But the Holy Spirit encouragement was there, and he would say, you can do this, Stephen. You can do this. Um, many years later, many years after that fourth grade experience, I visited Mrs. Cruen in the nursing home in Edgerton. It's Edgebrook. 
and uh, came there with some of the kids. I'm guessing it was about 30 years later. Joyce was there with me. I came in the room, and I could tell that Mrs. Cruen was dealing with things that were fears to her. She was having some real health issues, and I had come there, there to thank her for what she had done for me and how she had helped me in my life. And then here she was in a real place of need, and uh, she needed encouragement. And she saw herself living out her days there in that place, and uh, maybe not long for this earth. And uh, so I, I said to her, I said, you can do this, Mrs. Cruen. You can do this. With the Lord's help, you can do this. You can make it here in this nursing home. You can do this. But she said, you know, I don't know. It's just so hard. I don't know if I can. I, so much. I said, with the Lord's help, you can do this. I know that you can do this. And you will just be ushered in in that day then when you leave this earth right into the heavenlies with Jesus. You can do it. And I believe then it was Psalm 23 that I read to her. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear you. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. With the Lord's help, you can do this, Mrs. Gruen. And I, I could just sense something in her, in her eyes, and uh, I was able to return the favor or the encouragement at that time. But it was the Holy Spirit in me. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit in her too. Because she's a believer. She's a believer. And I know where she is now. One day I'll get to thank her again. Maybe she knows I'm talking about her right now. Well, maybe I should ask her when I get there. But you see, our personal teacher, tutor, and coach is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is now joined together with our spirit. He first helps us to see and understand the truth, and then he individually encourages us and that's you 
and shows us how to integrate that truth into our every, everyday lives. This moment-by-moment -moment application of God's truth will turn what would otherwise be a defeat in our lives into victory. That means that each day we can live a life of success instead of defeat in regards to our families, our workplace, our business, church, school, or wherever. God's will, word, his word revealed to us and walked out in our lives will make us free from the debilitating schemes of our spiritual enemy, Satan. And it's revealed by the Holy Spirit. And it's walked out in our lives by the help of the Holy Spirit. But as we walk out the Word, when we walk out the Word, when we live what the Word says, which is His will, it will release us from fears and worries about the future. It will loose us from guilt and condemnation from the past. It will move us out of bitterness and resentment and into forgiveness. It will take us from strife in relationships and let us experience harmony and peace. When the Holy Spirit has brought revelation of what love, God's love really is, he will then make it clear to us how to walk in love with the people around us. He will show us. He encourages us. He shows us how. And then he imparts to us the power and ability to carry it out. And he will direct us on when to act in given situations of our lives. He will coach us in what to say and not to say. And he will lead us by an inner peace on who to say or not say it to. He helps us with every, all of these aspects, and he's an ever-present helper to help us do this. This is acting according to God's word because the Holy Spirit will never lead us contrary to God's word, which is his will. And this walking according to God's word God's truth will give us a happy heart. A happy heart. It will develop in us an ease in life in place of disease. And it will have an effect on our mental, our emotional, and physical health. That's what it does when we walk according to the word. Last week I read a quote from a woman who lived in the 1300s. They called her Dame of, or Dame Julian of Norwich. And I just, want, I just feel like I'm gonna read that again here. And I put some caps in here to show some things because 
The Holy Spirit is our revealer, our revelator, our revelator, or whatever it is. He shows us things, and then he shows us how to walk them out. But she says, I saw the Lord scorn the devil's malice and reduce his power to nothing, and he wills that we do the same thing. On account of this revelation by the Holy Spirit, I laughed loud and long, which made those who were around me laugh too. And their laughter was a pleasure to me. Then I thought I would like all my fellow Christians to have seen what I saw, and then they should all laugh with me, for I understood. that we may laugh, comforting ourselves and rejoicing in God that the devil has been overcome. See, that's a revelation. When we know it, then we can walk in it, that the circumstances of our lives, and we just said it, you know, it's in our family or in our workplace, business, the church or school, whatever. We know that we're overcomers through Christ we're going to be overcomers. There may be tests, but there that's what brings the testimony. And to have that bent toward all of life, it's kind of like the glass half full instead of empty, that it's going to turn out. It's going to turn out for good. It's going to work. No matter how ugly or bad it looks, we can rejoice in the Lord because he, the Holy Spirit has revealed this truth to us, and then he will show us, each moment by moment, what to do and how to do it. You know, God does use, he often uses other people to bring his word to us, but, but he brings revelation, understanding to us through the working of the Spirit who lives inside of us. People may be speaking words like I am this morning, but it's the Holy Spirit in you and among us here who will take off the blinders so that you can see. No human being. And we see that in Matthew 16, 15, where it says, then he, that's Jesus, asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals spiritual truth to us. Here's some more confirming scriptures. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He will teach you all things. But that's where we're in the Word. We need to be in the Word. We need to get the Word into us. You know, on our own, but we can hear other teachers we hear it when we come here on Sundays. 
wherever we can. It's getting the word in us because then the Holy Spirit takes that word and he brings revelation. And it's amazing how one scripture verse can bring so much revelation on things. I mean, layer upon layer upon layer. The word of God is a living thing. And it is truth. But it's living. And it's food for our spirit. And as we meditate, you know, when we have things like scriptures on cards like this, or however we do it, or on our iPhones, and just keep going over them. That's meditation. Keep going, even if it's a small phrase. It's good to read, you know, through the Bible. That's, that's, that's great. The thing is, not to get caught up, I have to read so much a day so I get through the whole Bible in a year. Well, that, that's great, but yet meditating on portions bite-sized portions, you might say. And, and then also finding scriptures that specifically apply to where you're at right now in life and what you're going through, the things that you're dealing with, the things that would bring you fear or worry or try to bring doubt or unbelief. Get in the Word. The Helper. Verse 26 again. The Helper. Say that word, helper. He's our helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will, what? He will teach you all things, all things, all things you need to know and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And then verse, or chapter 16 of John, verse 13 when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth that you need to know today. And he will not speak of his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He's the guide for the future, too. He gives direction for the future. He's already in the future. And he can guide you. And he actually can show you things to come. As you fellowship with the Holy Spirit and with the Word, the Word becomes clear to you. And that fellowshipping, it's really fellowshipping with God. God is three in one. We're speaking of the Holy Spirit, but as we saw, it's the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. Stop and think of that a moment. He is real, and he is with you. He is in you. Say, well, I can't see him. You know, it's, it's hard because I can't see him. Well, you can't see yourself, the real, your real self either. You're a spirit being. With your natural eyes, you can't see in the spirit. But with your eyes of faith, you can see there. Because the word of God tells us. We can see into the spirit realm whatever the Word of God tells us, whatever it shows us. Yeah. The Bible, the Word of God, gives us glasses right into the spirit realm. It gives us a window into the spirit realm. And we can see. We can see that we are spirit beings and that we have a soul and we live in a body. But we can also see... As we believe it, that the Holy Spirit of God is joined together 
We're joined as one together, it says in 1 Corinthians, with the Spirit of God. You just, we're connected. We're a new creation. We're recreated in Christ Jesus. That's what we are. That's what the Bible says. That's the window into the Spirit. He's there with us. He's a person. He's God. He's all-knowing God. He knows all truth. He's amazing God. He's almost, you'd have to speak in another language to tongues that English words come to an end of describing our God. Like we mentioned last week, he knows the minutest detail of the minutest thing, the smallest thing, but he also knows things on a grand scale, the universe, the whole universe, and its awesome expanse. And he dwells inside of you, and he's there as your guide, your teacher. We think of human ones, like I've mentioned, Mrs. Anderson and Mrs. Cruen. And we think of our parents, too, I do. And, you know, different people in our lives. But we're talking today about the Holy Spirit. But you can also be in your lives. And I think we'll just kind of close her down here. You can be in your lives a teacher, a mentor, or helper, encourager to those around you. And allow the Holy Spirit who is within you to flow out through you and encourage through you another person when they themselves are so down or so out or so brokenhearted or so sick or whatever it might be that they just can't do it themselves. They need help. They need someone to reach down, take their hand, and pull them out of the mire. God can use you to be that encourager. God can have you be the one. See, God believes in us. He really does. The vilest sinner. There's something in him he believes in. He made him. He loves him or her. And through you, the, the vilest sinner can be loved by the Holy Spirit. Not by you, really. It's by the Spirit. That new creation can love that person that needs it so much, so badly. And just you can be the one that lifts them out of it. He can use you. And then that person needs someone to believe in them. I'm not talking about believing in them in the natural realm because they may not seem that way. I'm talking about going beyond the natural to the help of the Holy Spirit helping you to be that mentor and encourager and that person that believes in that one that seems like they can't be believed in. One final word. Holy Spirit will never leave you. join together with you.
continue on this next week. Lord, we just look to you. We thank you that you have sent you the comforter, our helper, our encourager, our teacher, our intercessor, our standby. That you are here with us through him. And we know that whatever it is in life that we may be dealing with, whatever the circumstance, whatever the hardship, whatever the relational type thing, Lord, that you are there. And we pray, we yield ourselves to you. I believe there's many here this morning that want to do that with me. We yield ourselves anew and afresh to your calling for us. We all have different callings. It's all different for each of us. But that we would walk in those by the power of your spirit, that we would understand what it is by your spirit, that would be clear by your Holy Spirit within us, and that we would go where we have your peace, that you will bring your peace there. Not we know that we never will have in the flesh things that we feel in the flesh not like doing, but going where we have the peace in our heart, in our spirit. Because we want to walk by the spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. We want to be spiritually minded where there is life instead of carnally or fleshly minded where there is death in all aspects of life. And so we receive this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but there is a meal today. The, our youth group has got a meal for us, for us to fellowship around. And if you have a need, there'll be ministers here to pray with you and come to the front have something. So God bless you all and keep you. In Jesus' name. <laughs>